Good morning, everyone. Good, good to see you all. Uh, and again, happy Mother's Day to you all here and, of course, the people listening online or watching online. Um, and don't forget, we can catch our podcasts on anything that you get podcasts on, iTunes or whatever as well. Um, so I have an interesting message today. Um, I hope you know that I don't plan these. This is just the way it works with me. There's Bruce. I gotta gotta find him. <laughs> I moved. Um, I don't I don't plan things in advance. I don't preach to you what I think uh, I want to say because I had a really good one, man. Oh, you want to hear what I was tinkering with? Anybody want to hear what I was tinkering with? What AJ would have said today? I would have said this. In the light of it being Mother's Day and nurturing and things like this, we got to stop the myth that pouring everything you have for everybody else and burning yourself out is noble. You got to take care of you and be nurtured to pour out to other people. It's a good Mother's Day message, huh? And I was going to talk about how Jesus went to solitary places to pray, Bruce, and how he took care of himself and his relationship with God. And, and society's got it twisted where, where you know, you got to work yourself to the bone. And, but you, the best thing you can give the people around you is the best you. It's good, right? Not what we're talking about at all. Because <laughs> it's not what God wanted to talk about. It's what AJ wanted to talk about. Don't come to the AJ show. There's nothing for you here. <laughs> Instead, you want to know what he wants me to talk about, I think? The second half of the Beatitudes. So not even the whole thing. What? Like, wouldn't wouldn't you think I would then go, okay, cool. Well, next two weeks are figured out. Maybe next week we can go on a motorcycle ride instead of sitting here all day and listening to you, God. Cool. But he goes, no, I want you to do the second half of the bed. I'm like, that's unique. Let's do it. Let's look at the pictures. So that's what we're doing. Weird, huh, Bruce? But awesome, because it's God. So this is the speculated place that this took place. Do you know that? Is it the Mount of Olives, I believe? Well, I should have studied that, but I didn't. Um, I think it is, isn't it? What's the name of the picture? Mount of Olives? There you go. Okay, so what we're looking at is this is the speculative area. Can you go to the next picture? We might bounce back again. but Okay, that sort of area right there. That's where they're saying they believe the Sermon on the Mount was given. Matthew chapter 5 to 7, I believe. I believe it's his, his, his longest teaching. Um, some people claim that it's a compilation. I'm not comfortable with that. Some people claim, like, oh, Matthew put it all together. This is everything he taught throughout the... But they frame it in the Bible, right, they frame it in the Bible like it was, so that's what I tend to go with. You know what I mean? Puzzle doesn't fit, feels yucky inside. I'm not going to add to the Bible. But the cool part is, is, so listen to this. I don't know if you know this about me or not, but one of the things I studied in college was audio engineering, which is why I do all this here. Um, and one thing we learned about is natural amphitheaters. And I watched someone go to this site on TBN or whatever, Daystar or one of those channels. I watched someone go to this site and the cameraman stood all the way down by the water, and the guy on the top of the hill goes, can you hear me? And he goes, yeah. Yeah. It is in such natural amphitheater, which we build amphitheaters, right, so people can hear and project sound. It is, this is such a naturally occurring thing that sound traveled so that if there were thousands of people there, like the Bible says, they all would have heard him say, blessed are the peacemakers. Isn't that cool? Now I want you to think about this. He built that for that very moment. Come on, didn't he? Yes, how cool is that? When God formed the earth, he's like, amphitheater. That's natural amphitheater right there. So I thought that was really neat, huh? And so these people got to hear God himself. Let me set the stage for part two here. God himself touched down on the earth, and he said, hey, I understand y'all have been doing things a certain way. You've been relating to me in a certain way, relating to each other in a certain way, but I'm here now, and I'm doing something way greater than you'll understand, 
but let me teach you what the kingdom around you is actually like. And he opened up by saying this. We don't have it today. We're going to skip through it. Blessed are, the, blessed, are those, oh, blessed are the poor in spirit is what he started. So Jesus, who was born an ordinary man, not born, he had been more of like a steel worker. He would work at the plant than he would have been in an office. And I'm not putting down anybody. I'm just keeping it real. He was not the highly educated. The, the, he was, they said actually the Bible alludes to the fact that there was really nothing striking about him. We tend to think that and make him glorious in our pictures. No. On purpose, there was nothing on the outside that would have drawn you to him. Because God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. Isn't that cool? So creator God on the mountain, the very sun that he hung, touching his face, the very breeze he created moving his hair, get the picture here, sits down and says, let's do our first one. Actually, you know what? I want to do one more thing, too. This will be the first, I'm sure. Blessed are the merciful. They'll be shown mercy. Let's leave it there. Um, actually, hit clear, Brian, just for a second. Matthew was writing. Do you remember who Matthew was writing to? Lion, ox, man, eagle. Matthew was writing to the Jew. He was trying to show Yeshua as Mashiach, the long-awaited one of Israel, the lion of the tribe of Judah. So let me tinker around for a second. Matthew, writing to the Jew, makes very sure that you know that Jesus was sitting on a mountain when he gave this, this talk. And we can't, I know we can't get into the mind of the Jewish people at the time, but think about what, what's the significance of mountains time and time and time and time again? Where was the law delivered, guys? It was on a mountain. Moses climbed a mountain very dramatically, in fact, and came back down with creator's words. I feel like Matthew, who's, trying, who's showing Jesus as Messiah, says, on this mountain, creator God spoke again. Do you get it? Why didn't he go into a valley? Yeah, yeah, natural amphitheater, but God can do anything. I believe Matthew's saying, on the mount of God it was seen, on the mount of God it is seen. Get it? Dun, dun, dun. See, because we can't underestimate what took place that day. I just want you to get, once again, God is on the mountain. Moses gave us the law on the mountain, and he who now sits on the mountain is all things. There's a parallel there. Now, before we begin, I want to say this, too. Blessed are. The Greek word there, I tell you all the time, is makarios. It does not mean lucky. It does not mean whatever. It means full of God, in step with life force, Holy Spirit. But you know what I, re I didn't realize? There's a lot of controversy here. I gotta watch myself. There's a lot of people that sit there and say this: um, we can't translate the word "blessed." The whatever the word that is comes down through the ages in this scripture, we can't actually translate directly. So I'm like, I kind of like that, honestly. Like it's bigger or better than we can put our little words on, right? Because let me let me do this: blessed are the people say, lucky are you? Oh, really? That's it? That doesn't feel. Lucky are you when they persecute you? What? That doesn't sound about right. Right? Blessed are the at one with God, walking step by step with that life force that you feel all around you, which is creator God. Oh, I, I think that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a lot closer, right? So don't limit blessed. Now we can begin. Blessed are those are the merciful. They shall be shown mercy. I can see why God wants to do this. <laughs> now, now. Because this is very easily a road to legalism and works for favor. 
do you think God is talking about giving you mercy if you give people mercy? Be very careful. Come on now. We all come from different systems, guys. And you, you hey, you got to go check this out for yourself. But one could look at this and go, God will not show me mercy if I'm not merciful at all times. So wait. So I'm not truly forgiven in the blood of Christ Jesus? You get that? Well, I better work hard at, you see what it does? Every time creator God does something, human beings put their grubby little hands on it. It's true, and I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. I'm not coming at anybody else because I'm doing it too. I'm trying to put, I'm trying to put, hey, you remember Kent Hovind who said the, uh, who was talking about God and how big he was, um, time, space, and matter. Do you remember him? And he does that T, time, space, matter. Uh, if the incalculable God could fit in here, then he wouldn't be worth worshiping, right? So every time I try to get it through a human filter, I fall short and I drop it to the ground. But in the same sense, I think we got to work on minimizing that. Can this mean, in light of other scriptures, that we will not be forgiven if we don't forgive, that we will not be shown mercy if we don't? Let's look elsewhere in the Bible. I think I have some other stuff here. I have two. Now, Peter says this. Once you were not a people, but now you're a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He says in the past tense. You've received it. So that can't be the condition. Next one. Conditions? Really, Jesus? Praise be to God and our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his great mercies. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Peter's saying to Telestai. That's a Bible joke. That's a Bible joke. That's the Greek words Jesus used on the cross when he said, it is finished, and then died. Done. Close the book, put down the pen, everything that needs to be written is done. Do we understand that? Blessed are the merciful, those that we show mercy. That sounds conditional. Now, I'm going to put AJ's thoughts on this because I am not comfortable with the legalistic works-based. What did we, did we look at it a couple weeks ago where Jesus says, they, they, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me? They're just man-made laws, right? So I don't want to walk into that, man. You know what I think it means? I think it means this. You ready to go to weird town, people? <laughs> Jews always ready. <laughs> I, I think it means the law of attraction. And here's the thing. There's truth all around us. Even if it doesn't give credit to Jesus Christ, Jesus is the truth. Okay? So here's what I mean. This might sound Eastern is what I'm saying and the philosophy I'm about to share with you. But just because the Eastern people took it and ran with it and gave someone else credit doesn't mean it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, you guys get it. There's a level of maturity to understand that, I must say. I do. Um, so here's what I mean. That which you put out into the world, I believe, finds you or, or, or you attract. And what I mean is this. Uh, let me put it on the most simple level because they'll pervert it and say, like, put out good vibes and good... No, that's karma and it's garbage. Karma is the same system that creates towns of prostitutes in India and creates the untouchables who have to empty sewer systems with their hands. So if I see on your Facebook karma, please know you're supporting prostitution. Ooh, that's rough, AJ. Whatever, dude. Because they tell them, as long as you do good, you can be reborn into something better. Not this life. Go be a prostitute but in the next life. Karma was invented to control people and uh, explain the world around us that we can't explain. Did you get it? Jesus shot it out of the sky. He said, do you remember when that tower fell on people and killed everybody? Were they worse sinners than you? And they're like, no. He's like, right. In other words, stop it. Stop trying to figure out everything around you. God is God and you are not. So anyway, do you understand that? I'm just dealing with that. Here's the weird town. 
let's look at Galatians. Well, I have two slides here. Forget AJ for a second. Sure, please. For we're so sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. So generously, we'll reap generously. Next one, please. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. That's what I mean by what you put out there. And here's the thing. Stop limiting these words, too. We're all doing it. Can you open that window a little bit? I am sweating. <laughs> Lisa laughs. <laughs> I turned the heat off when we got here, but if anybody's cold, I apologize. Mary Beth, it's a little warm in here, right? Yeah, feel, feel Y'all, open windows then. What are you doing? It's like, this is supposed to be like your living room. You can do what you want. <laughs> Donna goes, <laughs> down to the nightgown. Um, <laughs> when we look at this, guys, we think reap what you sow. Does that mean money in the time? Does that mean money in the tithe bucket? Yeah. Does that mean uh, with your time, talent, and treasures? Yes. But does it also mean if you sow into being a good friend, you'll reap good friendships? Oh, I think it does. That's what I'm saying. You get it? If I sow seeds of being hot-tempered and being aggressive and intimidating, then that's what's going to come up in my life, and that's what's going to find its way around me. You see what I'm saying? So the Eastern philosophies will sit there and go, that what you put out comes back to you. Well, kind of, yeah. Well, kind of, yeah, but not with a mind of its own under a promise from Jesus Christ. Get it? So why does that happen? Why, did, why, why is it that way? Because Jesus said it was. That's why. You get it? I love that. Here's the thing. It's like people freaking out over yoga. Someone took bending your body and started to do it in the worship and praise of a Hindu god or something. But does that mean bending your body's evil? No, grow up. It's just bending your body. You get it? How about when you bend your body and you say, and you say what, is, what did I used to do when I used to? I don't want to say meditate, but I would meditate upon God, which is in the Bible. And I would use a version of the word Elijah, which means I worship God. And I would say Eliyahu. And I would, I would just meditate on the word Eliyahu. Eliyahu. And it would help me to stop thinking about millions of things around me and help me to focus on God. Is that evil? That's pure worship. So... Get it? Just because somebody took something and said, scratches Jesus' name off it and puts Buddha, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, or whatever, it's still Jesus's. And I think we're missing out on a lot of things in this life because other people took it from us. So bend your body and praise Jesus. <laughs> Do it. It's good for you, man. <laughs> Why is this so funny? <laughs> you know what I mean? Seriously, we've taken all these things of God and, we've, and we're, we're missing out. We're missing out because of it. I believe there's energy coursing through your body. But a bunch of martial arts folks and monks and stuff started to worship that. But I believe it's there and it's inside of you. Don't say it's not. Um, how come every time... Ready? No, let me get really weird and lose some people because I love doing that. How come every Renaissance painter has a, 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 a yellow aura around Jesus Christ? And then they took it and they said, oh, chakras and auras and all that. Well, just because they took it and they worshiped something else doesn't mean it ain't real. You see what I'm trying to say? And if you're in tune with that stuff, that's fine. You just make sure it's right with Jesus Christ. See, because some people will try to change certain people. Look where I'm pointing, you guys, who are more attuned to that. Run with it, go with it, but always keep his signature on it. You get it? Awesome. I love this. Jules, right? Is this good? I hope so. Let's give back to Jesus what is his, and let's not miss out. We're his kids, man. I want my kids to enjoy everything around them. And just because your kids act crazy, <laughs> they're not going to ruin it for mine. Oh, this is funny. This is funny. 
Those who plant injustice will harvest disaster, says Proverbs 22.8. If you've planted wickedness, you've reaped evil, says Hosea 10.11. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes, says Proverbs 1.31. The law in sowing and reaping goes around and around and around. But you ready for this? Let's go back to the blessed, please, the first slide. And I want you to look at it this way, too. This is a promise from Creator God Himself. And you like how I put the mountain picture behind Him? You know what He's saying here? Hey, Donna, you're not going to always feel like showing mercy. But I'll give you a promise as your dad that if you show mercy, it'll come around to you. I'll make sure that happens. Isn't that nice? So they sit there, and Creator God is on a mountain, but it's not like He's doling out laws anymore, or at least not in that rigid spirit of the law, right? Read it as a promise, Brenda. Hey, when you show mercy to those people that are really hard to show mercy to, I see that, and I'm going to make sure it comes back to you. That's what Jesus just said. Bruce, don't we like that posture? Doesn't that go better with a lot of the things? All right. Good, 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 good. Okay. Okay. You ready for how practical this can be? Take this with you. I'm sure it's nobody in this room, nobody online. But here's another um, principle. Let's look at this societally. <clears throat> I've told you before, if I've sowed out being a selfish friend, I grow selfish friendships. If I sow out negativity constantly, I will reap negativity back. If I sow codependency, I will reap codependent people and a person. If I sow being a victim, now this is hard to hear, but if I sow being a victim, I will reap predators. That's a hard one. If I sow passive, I'm not going to show myself love and put boundaries up. You're going to reap boundary steppers. That's good. That's new to me, too. It's true. And I'm not coming at you, and I'm not threatening you. I'm just telling you. If I sow that I don't respect me, you won't respect me. But if I, if I do respect myself, Heavenly Father will be there, says Jesus, through this principle. If you respect yourself and you walk out boundaries because of your value, I'll be there to enforce those things and make sure that comes back to you. That's good, right? Donna's with me today. I love it. It's awesome. Thank you. Now, here's the thing. Single people, we reap what you sow. We got to be careful what we're sowing out there. I, I, I'm, sh I'm amazed at the people who are shocked when they reap shallow, selfish, immature dates. But all we have to do is look at what people are sowing out there. Or to put it, to put it really commonly, what bait, are you, uh, what bait are you jigging, guys? <laughs> no, I mean, really. <laughs> if I'm using a walleye lure at the depths of a walleye, I'm going to catch a walleye. You know what I'm saying? Right? Bill's got me. If I'm using a crankbait, it's probably going to be a bass. And I'm, look, I'm interested to see the amount of people in the society, like I said, if they're looking for quality people to spend time with, but they're not putting out quality things. Men will sit there and say, women are crazy, but where are your eyes looking when you're looking for a date there, man? <laughs> are your eyes stuck to her integrity, are they? You get what I'm saying. She's got a nice set of ideals, does she? <laughs> I'm not being crude. You are. <laughs> and this concept of mercy in, mercy out, reaping what you sow is bigger, guys. It points to something bigger. Psalm 37.4. Yes. Psalm 37.4. This points to something. <clears throat> and this is good for everybody in this room. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, just like how on one side of the road there's legalism, on the other side of the road there's humanism, where we elevate ourselves above creator God and go, it's all about me. And if you think this is all about you, this is where you're going to go start laying your hand on Ferraris and go, God, I really want this. And you said, 
And there's an element of that. But I've always taken the scripture to say this. If I choose to delight myself in him and not the fancy things of this world, him and not this, what this woman can do for me or money or drugs or whatever, anything I would delight myself in, if I choose to delight myself primarily in God, then he's going to give me the desires of my heart which will lead me to fulfillment. That's what I think that means, personally. Um, sometimes the desire planted inside of us may be the, the map that gets us where God wants us to be. The desire to get married inside of you or married again might be the map that will get you to the stage God wants you to be at. Always got to test these things against God, okay? If I desire to have, let's say, three wives, oh, but I really want it. You go to the Bible and go, that's not a godly desire. It's not from God. You get it? But if you test these things and he calls them good, like marriage or like having children's a blessing or like a long life or like health for your body, those are good desires God gave you. And those desires can lead you to where he wants you to be. Do you follow what I'm saying? I can tell you right now that one of the best things you can do if you're single, I mean this, is of course stop looking at her set of ideals. We'll talk about that again. But make a list of the things inside of you that you want to, in the person you meet. Oh, this is good. You want to know why? Because then in the heat of the moment, how many people know sometimes it's really hard to hear God's voice when it comes to romance and intimacy? I think the voices and wavelengths are really similar. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's hard to hear God's voice over your own emotions. And that's because I think it's that same part of us that hears him but also hears us. Get it? It's hard. So what you do ahead of time is say, what's important to me? Sense of humor? I really hope loves God will be there because, boy, I tell you what, if you get with someone who doesn't serve the same God... You, you literally have the Grand Canyon between the two of you already. And you might not think so now, but what happens a couple years from now, you guys have kids and the kids get sick. And you want to run to the Lord to heal, and they're going, Kh. you see what I'm saying? It just, it's hard. Ask anybody in this room whose spouse is not sitting with them. Don't walk, don't walk face first into that. That's a hard thing to do. And the Bible warns against it. I'll tell you in my life, before I met Melanie, I did this. I wrote what was important to me. I wrote things like integrity and trustworthiness and honesty and all this sort of stuff. And then, listen to this, what this does for you, and this is wisdom. Why am I even going off on this? I have no idea. I don't. I don't even know where I'm talking about. Um, then, something, a few months in, someone said, like, well, I'm not sure she's the right one for you because she's not this thing. And I went, okay, yeah, I agree. She's not that. But I went, hold on. In my own time, went and looked back through that list and said, the thing you value that you just said she's not, it's not even on my list. Threw it away. Cool, right? Now, had I not done that, I would have gone, golly gee, you're right. She's not that. Maybe she's not the one for me. Me, 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 me. You get it? But I did it ahead of time before you're too close to it. That's good. I don't know who needs that, but that's awesome, dude. <clears throat> that's really cool. Okay, we got to keep moving here, guys. You're keeping me forever here. Um, Matthew. Let's do Matthew. The next one, please. Yes, 5-8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. This teaches that this kingdom, Jesus is interested in our hearts. I know that. As we talked about, not the outward man. And not even just what we do. He's interested in who we are. And this is a symbol of what's happening on this mountain. The law was there, but Jesus is introducing a way different idea and something that's way more lofty than the law. The law was your deeds and what you did. And Jesus says this, I'm not interested in that. 
And they can keep their big buildings with their beautiful windows if that's what they want to do. But I'm not here for that. Why am I not sitting in the temple? Does anybody want to tell me? Jesus could say. Because I'm not, I don't want, I'm not looking to be a part of the system. I want to be a part of your heart. That's what I want. You know what I'm saying? When Jesus shows up, Mary Beth, he took, don't, uh, don't commit adultery. And he says, listen, adultery is downstream of a heart posture. Don't even look at a woman like that because that's where it leads. And everybody's down here waiting to kick you and beat you and, and call you a bad person because of your behavior. But I know, because I created you, that all this that happens here started here. And that's where the healing can be. Okay, I'll, I'll help you. Bad relationships, broken relationships, divorce. And all the religious people said, divorce, divorce, divorce is bad. Psh, 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 divorce people are bad. And Jesus goes, why don't we look right here at the insecurity as to why you keep getting with folks that are never going to treat you the right way? Let's look over here with the fact that you don't set boundaries the way you should and respect yourself. Do you not know how much I respect you? Let's look all the way here. Let's not just focus on this. I want, and I'm after your heart. Let's heal that past, because this is going to lead here again. Woman by the well. This is going to lead here. And so Jesus just decimates religion on this mountain. <sighs> the story of God and you can be told in three gardens. It can be told in the Garden of Eden, where we fell. It can be told in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus gets ready to repair what needs repairing. And it can be told be told in the garden of God at the end of it, where we all are redeemed and brought close to God. Maybe I'll give you that message one day. You actually look at the accounts and the direct parallels. It's a tale of three gardens. But I'm starting to get this thought while I'm up here that also there's a tale of several mountains going on. Because again, creator God, yeah, okay. Creator God on the mountain gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Creator God on the mountain gives us the Sermon on the Mount. And then Creator God touches a foot down on the Mount of Megiddo and ends it all and puts it right for his kids. That's a tale of three mountains. <laughs> or if you want to take this, well, no, no, that's, that's a tale of three mountains right there, man. That's awesome. Wow. Anyway, what I think he's doing here is he's dropping a bomb on our understanding of rules as relating to him. Rules will not relate to God. Hearts will. Do you understand that? Man, wouldn't... I'm tired of criticizing church. I don't want to criticize church. Church is the bride of Jesus Christ. And you know something, guys? We're, we're stones, right? We are stones that build the temple of God. Living stones. And when we gather together, we make his temple. That's why it's important to not just be a stone at home by yourself. Come do what you're supposed to do and build the temple of God, which is awesome. But hearts are how we relate to God. Now, if you really got that, because you, you, you're close right now, I can tell. We're close to getting it, and then the rest of the week's going to come. But if we really got that, would we even have shame in our lives at all? Because we're all falling short in different areas. We are. But if we understood it was about God in our heart and this behavior that we hate about ourselves and can't change and not this time, God, 542 times I'll say I'm sorry, and Jesus is up here going, it's here. It's here. It's here that we relate. Oh, I wish I could play that song for you right now. Man, 
there's a song, it's called, it says, In the Garden. And that's, like I said, all these themes are kind of coming at me right now. But he says, the lion and the lamb once slept beneath the roses. And God and man once walked beneath the pines. And it's beautiful. And it was always about heart connection, wasn't it? And we jacked it up and we started to look at our own shame, didn't we? I was naked and I was afraid, so I hid. And Jesus says, I've never taken my eyes off you guys. Your hearts. Your hearts. Jesus is interested in our hearts, guys, obviously. So where is the pure in heart? Let's get back to this so we can not be here all day, because as you can tell, I could talk about this forever. Where is the pure in heart? Because here's another thing y'all are doing. You don't think you're included in that. You don't think you have a pure heart. Let's explore that for a second. Because again, I don't. there's probably two people in this whole room, not me included, who, who put myself there. I'm like, those people are lucky. Do you see that, right? This one lost me. I could do the other one because I've shown mercy at times, but this seems like it's for someone else. What's my next scripture, Briar? Do I even have one? Uh, there you go. Okay. Here's a promise. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll move the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So this is the promise he's given you. What's the next one? No. Psalm 24 says this, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And here's the thing, you ready? He who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Psalm 24, 3 and 4. You doing it, Bri? I think we need it. Thank you. So I'm going to show you that you need to be included in that. They will see God. Because again, it's actually not about us. So Psalm 24, 3 and 4. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Next one. He was clean hands and a pure heart, comma. What do I mean by that? You don't lift up your soul to an idol or swear by what is false. I will worship you, Lord, only you, Lord. Did you sing that today? Nod your heads, did you? Did you mean it? You will see God. Let's go back to it. That's a pure heart. It's not just about the websites you look at. It's not about sex. That's what we do. We see purity, purity, purity. It's not about, you know, see what I'm saying? This is about do we worship solely the Lord God, the pure in heart, who do not lift up to something else? Do you trust money to take care of you like everybody else in this world? Or do you understand money grows wings and it's not God's the provider and he uses money? Do you understand that? Cool, there you go. Keep pursuing that. Blessed are you people sitting in these chairs and at home who do not worship idols on purpose and are trying to walk it out, you will see God. And I got news for you too. I don't think this just means when you leave your body. I think this means, Mary Beth, you'll see God working in your life today. Has anybody seen God move in the last year in their lives, their families, their homes? Why don't you go ahead and put a hand up, please, so that we can give... Okay, yeah. You've seen God. There you go. And shouldn't, oh, we should live with such an expectation because of these words. All right, let me make sure I get the rest of it. Okay, 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 okay. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. Okay, uh, next one. Peacemakers. Yeah, this is cool. I've, I've said this so many times, I'll just hit it and quit it. 
It does not say peacekeepers. It does not say peacekeepers. It says peacemakers. Some of us believe it's noble to just not speak our minds because we don't want to create trouble. That is not what Jesus is talking about. He's saying this. You speak the truth, but you speak the truth in love. We are not allowed to spout, spew, or erupt. That's out of bounds. But just as much, you're not allowed to stuff things down. So you got one spouse who, who, who feels holy and pious because the other one yells, but this person stuffs things down. And Jesus is going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm mad, but both of these are out of bounds. Both of these are not, not the way you're going to get where you want to be. You need to speak the truth in love and give him an opportunity to come up higher. And when you stuff these things down in the name of peace, it's because you don't want to fight. And that's not noble, and I see your heart, and it's not right. And you, you need to get some self-control. Because if you can't control you enough to, to, to work with her, y'all are never going to have peace. But don't, don't demonize the one just because he acts out. Because this one, you know what I'm saying? You ever watch Caesar Milan? You ever watch him train dogs? No? Well, you're missing out. It's where, it's where I learned everything I know about dog training. I'm a pretty good dog trainer. It's funny because they'll call Caesar and they're like, we're going to have to put this dog down. And of course, it's always like a big raw or pit or something like that. And, and they're like, he's a problem. And, and so Caesar shows up and they dramatically film. And sure enough, the dog's like, and Caesar's like, and he looks over at the other dog, the littler one. And he sees the littler one's like this. <laughs> the little ones that do that, I call them tremble rats. I, I mean, hey, you, you like what you like. I don't like that. I want a big dog I can wrestle. But <laughs> I'm nailing it, aren't I? So you got the big dog. And his dog's about to get put down. And Caesar goes, I won't do the Mexican accent. I promise. He goes, that dog's the problem, not that one. And they're like, no, no, no. But this Brutus over here, he's bitten the mailman five times. Oh, I know, but he's the one setting him up to it. Let's separate these dogs. Separates the dogs, goes in, pets Brutus. Brutus goes, Brutus's energy is fine. It's the one that's all pent up that's bringing the worst out of the other dog. Woo! And guess who takes a trip to Caesar's farm for rehabilitation? Little dog, little dog. I'm fine, don't, don't worry me, I don't bite anybody. <laughs> Why do they have to have that accent too? Oh, because they're Chihuahuas, which is from Mexico. Um, it's the same thing, guys. Listen, <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Best are the peacemakers. You're not doing anybody any good if you're keeping peace. Peacemakers. And you know what? Sometimes the things that make for peace, war. If you want peace, be prepared for war. That's how it works. You've got to fight for your marriage. You've got to fight for the things you love. You just don't keep quiet. That's out of bounds. Did I hit that enough? Let me see if I hit that enough. Did I, did I, did I say as much as I wanted to do there? Let's do the slide. Speak the truth lovingly. So here's where you meet in the middle. Hot-tempered person and passive person. Speak the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who's the head, that is Christ. All right, I'll tell you a story real quick. <laughs> it's sort of controversial, that's why. But Melanie's not here, so. Um, I believe it's important to get around other couples. I believe if you're, if you're struggling in your marriage, open up to somebody about it. I believe it's important just to open up to other people in general. So my wife and I were telling stories one day to another couple. <laughs> and uh, she, was in, she, she had indicted me because here's what had happened. We will call this the peanut butter and jelly incident. <laughs> okay? It's not that bad. It's not that bad. I wouldn't tell you if it was. And now I want you to judge because this, you, might, you might leave here disagreeing with me and that's okay. So here's the peanut butter and jelly incident. Myself and the kids are upstairs. It happened to be a day where Melanie was off. And so um, I, I appreciate that when she's off, she'll do things like make the sandwiches because I do them all the time. Daddy's home all the time. So it's nice. 
guys, if you work, or woman, if you work, it's nice to come home, do the thing that, you know what I mean, just cook dinner once in a while, that person's tired of it. So she went down, and Alex was like, I want a peanut butter jelly. So she went down to make a peanut butter jelly. Well, like 20 minutes later, we're sitting there looking at each other, me and Alex, and we're like, where is the peanut butter jelly, you know? And uh, he goes, that's too long to, to make a peanut butter jelly. Now listen, you, again, don't judge me to the end of the story. I go, well, tell her that, bud. <laughs> now, now listen, listen. Just hear me out, because I'm, I'm really challenging the <laughs> little dog. I'm really... <laughs> I don't know how to tell that, man. <laughs> I'm really challenging your notion here, okay? So she comes up the stairs, and he goes, Mama, that's too long to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And she goes... And I was like, oh... Come here, bud. <laughs> Back to Daddy's protective arm. And I said, babe, he wasn't criticizing you. He was giving you a statement. He goes, no, Obama. Like, I'm, I'm not meaning anything by it. I'm just saying. I go, 20 minutes is longer than normal to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Oh, well, I took it as, I said, okay, Alex, tell Mama what you meant. I just meant it was a long time to make a sandwich. <laughs> and Melanie had internalized that. But I'm not going to tell my son you don't say it. Because if I'd have stopped him in that, here's what I would have taught him. Come on. When you have something hard to say and that person might not receive it, just bottle it up. No, tell her. And then you have an opportunity to work on it. And what's funny is, think about it. She goes, well, buddy, when I went downstairs, I saw this other thing I had to do. I saw this other thing I had to do. You're right. I'm sorry. No, mama. No, I'm not upset. I just was saying. And the two of them learned to communicate a little better. So these people hammered me and said, well, well, you know, you shouldn't have said that. I said, no, I disagree with you. Ran through the whole example, told them, speak the truth in love. Teaching my children to speak the truth in love. And I think that's a higher calling than just pacify everything. Because now she learned from there that, Alex, don't internalize it from him. He's sharing a fact. He's not coming at you. And you might want to examine. You ready for it? What made you think he was criticizing you? What inside of you went internalized? There was an amplifier between what he said and what you heard. And now here's an opportunity for growth. Oh, so who disagrees with me? Should I have not said? Tell her. Because <laughs> in the beginning, you thought I shouldn't have. Bottle that down, bud. Bottle that down. No, see? There's a higher calling here. And again, y'all don't have to agree with me. <laughs> I tied the last two together. Let's go with this and let's get out of here. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. <sighs> Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I heard something yesterday, just real quick. Stay right here. Uh, okay, I'll get weird. So there's this guy who was messing around with the occult, and um, he was doing things he shouldn't have done, um, astral projecting, in fact, which it's real. D don't do it. But anyway, so here's the thing. He's, he saw into the spiritual realm. AJ, you're weird. No, the life you live is actually way weirder than you think it is. Walking around with a flesh on, this is the weird part. There's spirituality. <laughs> laugh quieter. Um, there are higher dimensions around you, and there are, there are angels around us. There are demonic beings around us. It's the way it is. And someday the veil will be ripped away, and you'll realize we're actually the minority. Well, here's what he realized. You ready? So he gets way into it. God rescues him out of it. It's awesome. He knew nothing about God, but the, the minute he called upon God, God nukes the place, clears the place out of all these things that were bugging him. Not bugging him, killing him. And... Um, Oh, and he, he said this, he goes, as soon as I embraced Jesus, he had to go find a church and learn about him. 
As soon as I embraced Jesus, he goes, a lot of people in my life turned, turned, turned on me, like bad. And I was like, I really listened. He goes, it was amazing because here's the thing. He goes, the same darkness I was seeing when I was messing around with this occult stuff, I was also aware that it's in everyone around us except those who Holy Spirit occupies. And I was like, hold on now, nobody's going to like hearing that. But wait, you're right. We are born into darkness. Before I knew Christ, here's what I knew. Greed, lust, whatever, whatever I wanted to do. I was like a big baby filled with my own desires and darkness. You get it? What makes you think the darkness is going to like the light? Oh, bros. Right? Why do I get so upset when people, and, and why do I get so upset when I don't fit in with the world? Or when people turn on me or something? Why would I? The, the darkness does not want the light hanging around. They, they can't occupy the same space, right? So now, listen, I'm going to look at the ceiling. So I understand some of us have unsaved family members. I get that. And we wonder why the gulf between us, I made reference before, is now the Grand Canyon. Because we see the world completely differently. And here's the thing. Jesus just told us this kind of thing's going to happen. Jesus even says this. They love the darkness because they hated the light. Right? Something like that. I'm bad, badly phrasing that. Nobody's coming at the person that that darkness inhabits. But we do come against the darkness. Do you understand? Nobody on this planet is your enemy. But the things propelling them, that's your enemy. And don't be shocked when you get persecuted because you like and love and worship God. And it might be this, your family members who see your Facebook and you sharing these messages or something. Ugh, he's a holy roller now. That's small, my new, you know that. But it's still something. It's a reminder that you don't belong here. We're just passing through, man. Yes. The book of Revelation talks about what happens to those, to the people of earth. And you're like, oh, wow, that's horrible. Really bad things are coming for the future of this planet. Oh, wait, I'm not the people of Earth. <laughs> I'm AJ of Heaven. You want to know where my P.O. box is, bro? There. I do, I'm not people of Earth. I was born here. I was dust man. But Holy Father came inside of me, the Spirit of Jesus Christ living within us. We just sang Yahweh. So you know what? Heaven is my home or wherever God is. I am not the people of earth. And so don't be shocked when you don't fit in. It's going to happen. What's this next one? Go back one more. There's a word I want you to see. Sorry, Brian, I doubled back on you. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs. Say the next word. You skipped it. Say the next word. Is. Some of us are waiting for power and ability and Jesus says, it's here right now. You get that? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For yours, in this room right now, the kingdom of heaven is yours. And it pleases the Father to give it. I'm, I'm giving another scripture. Everything you need from the kingdom of God is at hand right now. You're not waiting to grow into it when I know more. Are you following what I'm trying to say? Remember when I told you the story of the homeless guy in England? Let me tell that real quick again. I woke up one morning, one night, late, late, late. God spoke to me, and I know this is weird. Trust me, I've been dealing with it since I was 17. God spoke to me something very particular. He said, get up, go to Piccadilly Circus, and be there for 11 o'clock in the morning. And I went, that's wildly specific. You normally don't do that to me. 
what's Piccadilly Circus? <laughs> it was a train stop in London. Here's the problem. I was 45 minutes away from there, and I'd never been there. I know, right? It was like something out of the Bible. I was like, really? And I felt like two other things real quick. I felt like I wanted, needed to dress nicely, and I also heard him say something I definitely know wasn't me because I didn't want it to be. He told me not to smoke any cigarettes that morning. <laughs> I smoked at the time. So I know that wasn't me. <laughs> and nor would the devil want me healthy. So, so I went to the train station. And I was like, I'm just going to try to make my way there. It's about 10 o'clock. I don't know. I walked by. And I'll skip to the end of the story. A couple cool things happened. But anyway, so I get to Piccadilly Circus. I was at, it was like 11.05. I, I almost made it. I know. I don't know how that happened. I took the train, the tube, the train, the tube. Got there. And suddenly, nothing happened. I know. So 11.20, 11.25, 11.30 went by. And I was like, oh, you are such a fool. You think you hear God's voice. What a dumb, 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 dumb. Well, all bets are off now. <laughs> Lit up a cigarette. And I looked, and there was a Dunkin' Donuts, or their version of it. So I got a nice ice frappa mocha chocolate, whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't drink them now, ever since I gave up smoking. And so I lit I lit a cigarette, and I stood there, and all of a sudden I look over, and I see this really in rough shape homeless guy. And just then I felt the spirit inside of me go, ding. And I was like, okay, well, what do you want me to do, man? I've got any money. I'm a traveling musician. This is why you made me dress nice? Like what? So I just went over and said, hey, you want a cigarette? And he's like, of course. All homeless people smoke, is that a thing? And well, think about it. Use your brains. No, I'm kind of like, so we sat down. And I want to tell you what he taught me. We had a crazy conversation. If ever you have time, I'll tell you what the conversation was. He, he, had, he had ascended to, ascended to the heights of success, this guy did. And I mean long fingernails, long Gandalf beard, what you're expecting, that, okay? And just dirty. And Piccadilly Circus, by the way, is one of the craziest, busiest train stations. I would say it's like Times Square, where tens of thousands of people passed in a couple hours, just going, doing life. And I'm sitting there smoking a cigarette, and everybody's looking at us. I remember that. Everybody was looking at us with disgust. And I was like, is that why you had me dress nicely? I had a white shirt on. You know, you've never even seen me dress this nicely. And everybody's just kind of looking at us, disgusted. And I was like, what? You know what I mean? Because I'm sitting down with this guy. Like, people were giving me dirty looks. Weird. But I'll tell you real quick, and then we'll get out of here. This guy could quote the Bible like you would not believe. Way better than I can today, uh, 10 years later of studying it. He was like, oh, yeah, Hosea, blah, 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 or Hezekiah. Is that even a book in the Bible? Like, I ain't read that one. I'm serious. We start talking about God, and he just, and I finally said to him, I said, dude, how are you doing that, man? How do you know the Bible so well? And he looked at me, almost like sometimes little kids say things, and I'm like, duh, mommy. And you're like, oh, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, it's simple, but it's true. He goes, everything of God's is ours. What? Do you, what? We have access to all of that. <laughs> Smoke my cigarette. <laughs> I'm not joking. He could quote the Bible word for word. And I said, how did you do that? He goes, we have access to it. What? Like, he didn't memorize it. That's what he's trying to say. It's just he understands we have access to everything of God's. What? Okay, you take it with you. You don't get it, neither do I. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what it reminds me of? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And everything you need, everything your kids need, everything your grandkids need is available to you now. Now we'll do the next one, and then we'll go home. Go along, Brad. Look at this. Waiting for Elizabeth. <laughs> when she comes, I'm done preaching. <laughs> now this will happen. This is the same thing. I'm going to tie this together. When they insult you, persecute you, or falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Um, this church has been called a cult. I've been called a cult leader. And you know what? 
on those occasions, it's been when I'm literally sharing words in red. What Jesus says. So what? You know what? We'll take it. We'll take it. Go ahead. Give us your insult. Call us easy believism. That's the word. I, yep. Give us that too. As we're, as we're walking out truth and grace and we get shot from both sides, just take the bullets. All evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because you know what? Everyone's sitting in this place. There's a reward in heaven for that. And if ever you're feeling lonely because people... How about Facebook wars? I'm not I'm looking at you, Brenda. <laughs> Some... No, but listen. You throw something out there, right? And you're just like, oh, here's my belief. And people pile on you. And it's like, whoa. And this is what Jesus would say to you. Hey, they've done that every single time. We didn't have Facebook, but we, we had this prophet over here. And this person over here, there was Elijah, there was John the Baptist, there was Elisha. Anyone who spoke the truth of God, boom. Your media has changed, but it's all the same. You're in good company. And elsewhere in the Bible it says, well, consider what a mighty throng of people we have around us, the hall of, the hall of heroes in Hebrews or whatever. Run your race. You're surrounded by a lot of people who've run that very same race with you. They're rooting you on. Don't be surprised. That's what he's saying. Okay, great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're in very good company. If you're following hard after God and there's resistance, smile and keep going. These are the Beatitudes. I think we just finished them. Um, there are, I told you there was a bunch more that we didn't cover before it. Um, this is uh, good teaching from the Lord. There's one last point I want to make. It's, two, it's a sentence. It's this. The Beatitudes, go look at it this week. The Beatitudes are a description of Jesus. He was all these things. Poor in spirit, the one who shows mercy, right? He was a peacemaker. Go study it this week. Come on, worship team. Go study it this week under the guise of, let me read these and see as, as a description of Jesus. Let me read these as a description of who I'm becoming as well. Okay, cool.